What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brendan here again on the show. Damo is not with us today. Um, it's his birthday weekend, so I didn't want to bother him and didn't want to ask him to come on. Not that he'd be available to do it anyway. I know he's uh, got something going on. His wife doing something really nice for him. Um, but today I got Chase Carroll on with me. Chase, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much other than Wizards right now. It's it's a good time to be a Wizards fan, in my opinion. It is. Uh, Tommy was definitely wide awake and probably popped a couple five-hour energies before hopping on the phones <laughs> on draft day. Uh, speaking of draft day, I mean, let's talk about the draft. Um, so 15th, you know, we had heard rumors, uh, maybe they'll trade up, maybe they'll trade back. Typical stuff every year with, I guess, any team. But... I figured they would stick at 15. Ultimately, that's what they did. And they got Corey Kispert. And that was one of the three guys that I said was going to be a wizard by the end of the night. If you guys remember going back and listening to the, the, the last podcast, I said I would be stunned if it didn't end up uh, being Kispert, uh, Trey Murphy, or um, who else am I forgetting? Or um, who's the guy that went to Indiana? Duarte. I said I'd be shocked if it wasn't either one of those three. It ended up being one of those three, and it looks like we got the best shooter in the draft. Um, we'll talk about the 15th pick here first. I mean, Chase, what did you think about the addition of Kispert? No, I was very excited with that addition. Like you said, I wanted – um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get into that rust stuff later, obviously, but, um, I didn't know what direction we might be going in after that deal. So I, I definitely knew before that deal, we wanted some shooting on this roster and I don't think that changes at all with the deal of Russell Westbrook. I think shooting is the number one priority for this team, aside from Davis Bertans and the occasion, occasional usage of, um, you know, a couple other guys off the bench. We didn't really see any shooting last year. Um, so Corey Kispert, Chris Duarte were the two guys I was really looking at. I thought Duarte would definitely be off the board. So I was praying that Kispert would fall to 15 and, and he did, you know, that's a guy that was listed as the most efficient player in college basketball last year, according to Synergy, you know, 54% from the corners. I think you put him in that role that Scott Brooks, for whatever reason, had Denny Avdia playing, and that's the exact role that I think Corey Kispert can really fit into. Um, and and he's not even just a shooter, really. He's also pretty strong at the rim, at least at, at the college level. Um, we'll see if that that part translates. But I do know that his three point shooting will certainly translate, and it's something this team really needed. Absolutely. I mean, either way, I, I think, and like you were saying, even before the rush trade, after the rush trade, it shouldn't have changed the, the team's opinion or, or fact that they knew that they needed shooting. That's something that needed to get addressed because the real only shooters they had um, were Davis Bertans, who just, I mean, for him, given what we saw the prior year, just had a terrible, terrible season. And Garrison Matthews, who Scott Brooks just decided not to play at the end of the season for whatever reason. And you can't even really say Beal's a shooter because he shoots below league average now. He only shot 34% from three this past season, you know, right on that 35 mark, which is around average, but, but still a little bit below average. So the only real shooters right now, again, are, are now Bertans, Matthews, and, and Kispert. But 
that does give you another weapon to use. And the cool thing with Kisper, and we'll see what the other moves are, are going to be, but, I mean, you can either start him or just keep him off the bench, you know, depending on how you want to stack up the units. But I definitely love the pick, and I love the value. Um, I know some people have not graded our draft all that great, which I don't really understand why, given who was on the board at 15. And, and this is why I hate, like, I hate grading picks and that sort of thing because you need to give it time to see what it looks like before going back and, and grading things. But then you can look at it from the other way and you can look at it in hindsight and say, okay, yeah, well, it was a bad pick, but at the time, you know, it was pretty good and, you know, draft experts were giving it a good grade and all that. I see both sides, but I think just overall I'm pretty happy with the, uh, with the 15th pick and the addition of Corey Kispert. No, absolutely. I mean, experts will always put their opinions into their picks before anything happens. And we saw that even two years ago, a fellow Gonzaga alum in Rui Hashimura was labeled as an awful pick by the Wizards. And I think, you know, two years um, you know, after that, we can say, I think it was a great pick. I think, especially at nine for where we got him, um, you know, he, he wasn't expected to go to go at nine, but uh, you know, Tommy took a chance on him, and I think it's really paid off. And I think that's something uh, I think we're going to see in a couple years that Corey Kispert, another Gonzaga guy, you know, I think that's going to be a good pick as well, especially for, like we've said, we haven't had a wing really that could shoot besides Davis Bertans. And it hasn't even just been just this year. I think we could look back a couple seasons now and, and say that we haven't had shooting in a league that's transitioned into three point shooting becoming a, a real focal point we haven't had it so any addition you know this is probably the best shooter in the draft Chris, Chris Duarte might be that guy but um, you know Corey Kispert did it for a long period of time uh, more than just this past season you know a senior he did it for four years he was a great shooter so I think we do know what we're getting in Corey Kispert um, I, I would say it's a great pick yeah, um, in a couple things, right? So Corey Kispert isn't just a spot-up shooter for, for those people that watch college basketball or just know his game in general. You know, he can do some things off the bounce. I think he's kind of an underrate, underrated athlete. I wouldn't consider him an athletic player, but I think that the perception on him is he's just like Kyle Korver or something like that, and that's just not true. There's so much more to his game, and he has a tremendous ton of talent. And um, again, I just really love the addition to add him. Uh, part of the Rust deal, we got the 22nd pick. We ended up trading back, and it was the 30th or, yeah, 30, no, 31st pick. The, the first pick in the second round, right? That's what it was. Right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. And we took um, Isaiah Todd. Now, I don't know much about him. I know that he played for the Ignite. I know that he is a a local guy from Baltimore. And when I was watching his highlights very briefly, he looks like he has a lot of polished skill already, although he is still, he, he is really, really raw. Um, and I think he's a guy that's going to spend most of the year with the go-go. I would be stunned if he got minutes right away with this team, especially with kind of the, I don't know if you want to call it log jam at the forward positions, but it's just a lot of uncertainty. But the certain thing we do know is there are a lot of guys that are going to be playing over him when it comes down to it. So it, it would not stun me at all 
um, if he played most of the season with the go-go. But what did you think about the Isaiah Todd pick? So funny enough, uh, after we made that Russell Westbrook deal, I was saying at, at 22, I hoped that he would be on the board for us. And, you know, we trade back. We do get a good asset, in my opinion, in, uh, you know, a, a good point guard addition. But Isaiah Thomas, or excuse me, I said Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Todd, he's only 19 years old, 6'10", 206 pounds. I think you put on 10, 15 pounds onto his frame, which I think he can easily do in the next year or two. Uh, with you know NBA trainers, something that he hasn't had yet in his life. Um, he he does have some pro experience, obviously, in the G League. Um, but I think this is a guy. He has great athleticism for his size at six ten. He's got lengthy arms. He I think he already can defend at an NBA level. Um, you know, obviously, as I said, he needs to put on some weight to to really solidify being able to guard some of these power forwards in the NBA. But I really do think that, uh, like you said, he's raw, but I think that potential can definitely be reached. Um, but, and, and it's great that he was a second-round pick because now his deal isn't guaranteed beyond this year. Um, you know, he, he costs a little bit less money being a second-round pick than he would being a, a late first. So uh, overall, I think that's who the Wizards wanted with that pick, but they were able to trade back and get him anyway. So I'm, I'm really happy with that selection. As you said, he probably won't get too much time this year. Um, we'll see what forwards will actually be on this roster, but um, Rui Hashimura is obviously going to play over him. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, if he's still around, he's probably going to get a lot of time, obviously. And I think Denny is more suited as a four maybe than as a three. Uh, so, so he could get some time there. Obviously, Davis Breton's still around right now. I personally hope he's dealt, but um, he'd be in the rotation over him. So we'll see how much time he actually gets as a rookie. But, you know, I think that's a great prospect to add to the roster. You know, if, if we look last year, we see Cassius Winston as a as a stash kind of prospect. I think Isaiah Todd probably has more potential to play right away than, than Cassius Winston did at least. But um, like you said, there's a lot of guys there in front of him. So we'll see. I didn't even like the Cassius Winston pick to begin with. I just, I, I don't know like long-term where his fit is in this league. I don't even know if he'll, if he's ever going to be good enough to, to be like a consistent backup. I just, I don't see that. But anyway, sticking with this year, uh, I don't mind the, the pick with Isaiah Todd. Again, I think he has a lot of skill. And I think once, like, if you generally look at the 22nd pick, you look and you say, okay, well, maybe you can try and grab a guy who can play in your rotation right now. But if you just looked at who was on the board, I don't think you really could have gotten anyone that was still available. Like, who was still, like, Garuba? Okay, Garuba is a one-dimensional player, and we already have kind of a log jam at center anyways. Uh, you know, it just... At that point, you take the athleticism, you take the length, you take the height. And obviously, being 18, 19 years old... Um, just a ton of potential there with that. So definitely not mad at that at all. And then the part of that was, and we'll just transition now into the deals that were made, but part of trading back to 31 is we got Aaron Holiday from the Pacers, who actively right now is the only point guard under contract. They did um, extend a qualifying offer to Cassius Winston today, but if you're counting on Cassius Winston being a part of your rotation – 
the franchise is already new. <laughs> yeah, no, if he's getting any significant playing time this year, um, we're in trouble for sure. You know, he might he might get some time. Uh, definitely more than he received, you know, the spot minute every every time they're blowing someone else out or being blown out. But um, no, I like Aaron Holiday. I like the deal they made for him. That's a guy that shoots, you know, 36% from three, 37%. That's, you know, we haven't had that from the point guard position. When's the last time we had that? You know, I can't even really think of the last time we had a, a point guard that could at least shoot at that rate. Um, you know, Ish Smith isn't a great shooter who we've had uh, here for the last couple of years as our backup point guard. He he does things well that Aaron Holiday probably can't do. He's definitely more shifty than Aaron Holiday and probably a better ball handler. But uh, I think Aaron Holiday brings something that we definitely lack from the point guard position. He brings a toughness that all the Holiday brothers have. He, he he's going to pick you up on defense, and he's he really thrives playing defense only 24 years old. So he's about about to be 25, but he's still really young and he's still got a lot of growth in him. Um, but he's a three point shooter. He defends. That's something that we need from a backup point guard who, well, hopefully a backup point guard. Like you said, he's the only point guard on the roster besides Cassius Winston at the moment, but I foresee another point guard move being made and, and Aaron holiday being a really good fit as a backup point guard here. Yeah, I definitely like it from a defensive perspective. And you know, that's one thing that they they know that, that Wes knows and that uh, Tommy knows is they have to address things on the defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, I definitely think that Aaron Holiday is going to help, although I wouldn't quite pencil him in as the backup point guard because if Neto comes back or even if Ish comes back on a vet minimum contract, I would still have them pegged in the depth chart over Aaron. But I definitely think that there's a spot to be earned here for for Holiday on this team. And if he is the backup point guard going into the season, it's certainly not the the worst thing in the world. I just I wouldn't be so sure that that's exactly their plan as of right now. That they they still need to improve the depth, and especially they need to come away with a starting point guard. It's like again, if, like we just talked about with Cash and Winston getting any minutes. If Holiday's your starting point guard we are doomed. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to see Cassius Winston play any significant minutes. That just can't happen this year. If, if we really are in win now mode, like, like we say we are, then yeah, he, he can't play at all. If we're trading Beal for, for some odd reason that, that I don't foresee happening, then yeah, sure. You get your young guys some minutes, you get them some playing time, but it looks like we're going to be reloading with Beal. So so we got to get some real pieces in here. Yeah. Uh, before we go on and get into the Russ deal, I mean, just kind of touching on Beal real quick. I mean, just kind of what do you think just about him still wanting to stay and to be a part of it? I mean, are you, I'm sure you're like me. I think everyone in our chat is kind of the same. I think we all kind of want or would prefer – a rebuild, not necessarily that we want it, but because, you know, who, who wants to do that, but would prefer it over just this seemable nonsense that we have to deal with every season. But, I mean, what do you just think about, I guess, just Brad's state of mind and him just staying for some odd reason committed to this organization? And then what do you think about the organization's unwillingness to maybe move on for him, move on from him? Sorry. So it's it's definitely concerning because I think we're looking at two options here. I think we're looking at Bradley Beal 
walking this off season after being upset by a yet another season of, of not doing anything, not, not doing anything during Beal's prime. So he'd walk for nothing. We don't get anything for him. I think that's one possibility. And the other one I think is he signs his supermax contract realizes, okay, this is this still isn't the place where I want to be, but I've got my money and I'm now I want to go elsewhere. I think those are the two mm. most likely scenarios with Bradley Beal here. Because honestly, I love Bradley Beal. Everyone knows, and I love his loyalty to, to this team, but is he the, as a number one option, going to really make you a championship contender? So far, we've seen, I mean, they haven't put the pieces around him really, but so far, we've seen that that's just not the case. And I don't foresee a case uh, with that happening. So it's, it's definitely concerning. Um, you know, I, I love that the team has a star that they're willing to to build around and they they think Brad's the guy. He's done so much for this community and and he's such a great guy, you know, in the locker room, outside the locker room. Guys love him, but at the same time, I feel like we're delaying the inevitable rebuild that we should be entering. Um and we probably should have entered it 2 years ago really at this point. Um but you know, if we're going to keep on going with Bradley Beal, then you have to make a serious push this off season. You started it last year by dealing wall for Russ. That was a great first step. Now we have some assets to work with. What are you going to do with those assets to actually make this a championship contender? Cause if you're looking at it right now, you know, we've got some good pieces, but this certainly isn't a team that can push for a championship, even in a weaker Eastern conference conference. Um, so, so where's that deal coming from? Uh, who's this? I think they need a second guy and a third guy, really. You know, I, I love Rui Hachimura, so maybe he can be that third guy. Um, but but who's that second piece that makes you a championship contender? And I don't see it out there, you know, a, a reasonable guy that can actually get us there with Beal being the number one guy. So, um, yeah, it's it's you know, a good thing that he's coming back, but it's a bad thing at the same time. We'll we'll see where it goes, but. I feel like we're just delaying the inevitable here. I definitely agree with you. I think we're, we're missing that number two guy, and I don't think that there's a reasonable way that you can go out there and do that. Although I still do like the, the rust trade in general, and we're about to get into that here, but I definitely agree. I mean, I, I think that Rui is best probably as a third option for now, but I did tweet out earlier that as of now, I mean, he is that second guy. And if that's the way it's going to be going into the season, then I'm excited to see that because I think that he just needs more opportunities. I just, I feel like we don't get to see enough of him. And I think he has tremendous ability and his three-point shot is ever improving. I just, you know, I know it's probably not going to win you a championship, but let's be real. No matter what the Wizards do this offseason, they're not competing for a championship. I think that the, the reasonable thing that you want to see next year, um, if you're talking about competing, is you want to make it out of the first round. I think if they do that this season and then they push hard in the second round, maybe get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I still think that's maybe out of range, but but maybe not so far much as we think but we'll get into that on a later podcast once we get into the offseason stuff but 
I think that minimum right now you're talking about getting into the second round to be calling anything that goes on going forward a success. No, definitely. But, you know, Rui as a third option, he, he is a second option as we speak. But I think there is probably a bigger move coming to where Rui will be back as a third option. And I think he can actually thrive even more this season as a third option, assuming that the second star doesn't have the usage rate that a Russell Westbrook has or you know, combine that with Bradley Beal's usage rate. There's just nothing left uh, at the table for these other guys, like like Rui. And I think Rui is he's definitely showing right now in the Olympics that this guy can play. He can be more than that third option if if it does come down to it. And you can win some games. I think you know he just had 34 points the other night uh, against Luka Doncic and Latvia. This this guy is um uh he's he's a beast, man. I really think that he he has that potential in him to not necessarily become an all-star level player. You know, that might be a possibility, but he's definitely a guy that can, can be more than what he's shown so far in a, in a Scott Brooks offense. I'm really excited to see him with looks given to him by what, you know, no looks were really given to him by Scott Brooks and the occasional post up uh, the occasional uh, high post touch but they weren't ever really feeding him on offense. And I want to see what that looks like. And, you know, if he's the second option this year, he's going to have to be. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Rui brings. So I know you said that if a, we get a good point guard um, that, or just another move that Rui goes back to being the third option. I think the only way that that happens is if we land DeRozan, which has been rumored, or the pipe dream, um, you know, if for some reason we get Damian Lillard, which is absolutely not going to happen. But I think that's the only way that Rui definitively goes back to being the third option. Because, okay, say you add Spencer Dinwiddie, Lonzo Ball, or DeJounte Murray. Are any of those guys the second option over Rui in my offense? Uh, hell no. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think that they, they may have more touches just because they're the point guard, obviously. But I think when you're looking, you know, top to bottom on the roster. Rui's that second guy if, if you're picking up any of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just, I don't see the, the bigger deal out there. I mean, what are you going to do? Package Denny, Kuzma, Harold, Berton? I don't know what you do at that point. I mean, the, Tommy could definitely get creative. Maybe, who knows? But Trez and Kuzma have also been tweeting out like they're going to be here, which is <laughs> kind of disappointing because I was hoping that they would get shipped for, for someone. I mean, if they stay, I think they're fine players. I don't hate them, but it's Westbrook might be in a really expensive. Tommy's done a great job keeping things close. So I, I don't Kuzma or, or Trez right now that they're yeah. here to stay. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think he would do that because there's so many possibilities that can right. still come. You know, if if, if a team. You know, for for instance, the Spurs, if they do want to go after a guy like DeMar DeRozan, they've apparently had interest in Kyle Kuzma from the Lakers. Um, so he might be a piece that we, we send over for DeRozan if that's that's the route that they really want to take. I don't know if that's the route I'd want to take. I am a little intrigued by Kyle Kuzma. That's a guy that 
you know, in his second year averaged over 18 points per game. So, I mean, he's, he's, when he had, when he had the opportunity before LeBron and AD came around, he, he, I mean, he showed out, it didn't lead to wins in LA. It might've just been, you know, gravy, gravy stats, but at the same time, you know, he showed a little bit of potential and for $13 million a year, that's a contract I'm willing to live with making less than Davis Bertans and, in my opinion, much better player than Davis Bertans. So, I mean, you know, if if we could get someone off the books, it's Bertans. That's who I'm looking to get rid of. But at the same time, he he doesn't have as much value, I would think, as Kyle Kuzma. So, um, yeah, I would definitely look to see if they're they're on the block. I don't think they're they're still here by any means. Yeah. Um. We'll get into some more free agency stuff before we get off here, but let's get into the Westbrook trade. Now, for months, basically since the, the, the first game that we unfortunately had to witness Westbrook in a Wizards uniform, it was just, it was very painful to watch uh, for the most part. He did play incredible post-All-Star break and, and was the main person behind the reasons why we went 17-6. and six. But for the most part, before that and in the playoffs, just terrible. And I kept trying to talk myself into positive things, but you know, part of it to, to not have Russ's fan base dox me at any given point in time, and part of it just because I generally want to try and find positivity, but just on the eyes, it just... It never really looked all that good to me. It really didn't. And the triple-double freaks and the, the, the box score dorks are gone. And I couldn't be happier that we actually moved on from him. I mean, I was, I was thrilled. I, I was doing a homework assignment uh, when I saw the alert. And I, I was just, I did a little couple jumps up and down, you know, nothing major, nothing major, you know, because I'm 25, I, I don't get that excited. But, you know, I was, uh, I was a little hype, you know, just to, to see him finally gone. And, uh, you know, we don't have to deal with the fan base anymore, but, and, and, but fan base aside, I mean, and I told you this before we got on here, it just, on the eyes, it was just, it was just bad basketball. It was bad basketball. No, it definitely was not good basketball by any means. He got his stats, and you know, for a certain stretch of the season, they went seventeen and seven, and it looked like it was kind of working. But you know, that wasn't sustainable for a long period of time. Uh, with his age and his contract, it was definitely time to move him because when when you look at this team, you know, he's about to be thirty three by the time the season starts back up. Um, he's going to be making $44.2 million this season. And you look at next season on a player option, he'll be making upwards of $47 million. That's just untradeable next year, assuming that, um, you know, he, he, I can't really think of another situation other than the Lakers that would really take on that kind of contract. So, you know, I think this was a win-win situa- situation for both sides. You get Russell Westbrook back home uh, to where he wants to play and we get, I didn't foresee us being able to get a first round pick out of him, let alone uh, some of these other guys that I think we could probably, you know, if, if we don't keep them, we could flip into other assets uh, as well. But like you said, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, I don't think that worked uh, too much usage out of both of the, both of your guards, not enough going to the young guys. Like, like we've talked about earlier, Rui Hachimura just didn't get that opportunity. And a lot of that, 
was because of Russell Westbrook. And, you know, he, he brought some good things to DC. It wasn't all bad. He, he brought some leadership that I think a lot of the young guys looked up to. Uh, they, they'll tell you firsthand that Russell Westbrook was good for them. But um, I think the eyes tell you differently. I think the way he dominated the ball was not good for the young guy's development. And, you know, like I said, $44 million now off the books. That's, that's really good news for the Wizards. I mean, if, if we can actually do something with this money, that is because I mean, if if we're looking in the recent history of the Washington Wizards, um, I mean, most of this is before Tommy Shepard's time, but we haven't really been able to bring free agents in, you know, at a you know at least any that really make a difference. You know, who's the best free agent we brought in in the last ten years? Probably a washed-up Paul Pierce, and he left the first chance he got the next season to go sit the bench for Doc Rivers. So. Um, you know, it's been tough actually bringing guys in. So hopefully we can do something with this newfound cap space that we have um, because, you know, we weren't going to be able to do anything with that on the books. And that's just the truth of the matter. I know the narrative is that he was good for Rui, but I, I don't find that true because there's so many situations where he comes up the court and takes an inefficient shot or, or does some stupid shit with the basketball. And I'm like, you do realize you have, a pretty solid mid-range scorer who was sitting right there calling for the ball, or you could have gotten him to post up and gotten him a look. Like, I'm sorry, dude, you're not going to be here long-term. And are you a better scorer than Rui? You're not. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't care what the numbers say, 21 points a game or whatever. Natural scoring ability, you're not better than Rui Hachimura at this point. He should have been the second option in the offense all season. The only person that Russ was good for was Gafford. He was absolutely shit for everybody else. From not giving the ball to Bertans, Bertans sitting there calling for it all on the wing the entire game, doesn't pass it to him. Matthews open, doesn't pass it to him. Brett, you could have given it to Beal, and he could have had a pick and roll and gotten one of his efficient mid-range shots or, or something at the rim. But, you know, no, just come up and take a stupid shot or turn the ball over. You know, I'm not saying everybody else is innocent on the roster. I'm not saying we have a perfect roster and he was the only reason that we weren't good. But he is, I think, the main reason on court personnel wise, the reason that we were not good. Because you got, what do you expect Hollow to do? He's making $1.62 million. Uh, Robin Lopez, we all can agree, was overpaid in his dinosaur. What, what do you expect him to come out there and get 20 points a game and, and 10 rebounds? You know, I mean, if you're the Hall of Fame player and you're a point guard and you're this great player everyone is making out to be, you know. You got to show me a little bit more all around during a game. And I just felt like we never got that. Although I will say, I don't think Russ was ever number hunting. I just think that's just naturally the way he plays. He, he plays at, he plays his way the entire game. I don't think it's ever a selfish thing. I don't think it's him trying to steal a spotlight. I just think that's just the competitor in him. But I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad we moved on. No, I think we can all agree. And I just think it was so strange how much he tied himself to Scott Brooks, who was clearly just not a good head coach. He clearly just didn't have it in him to have the right rotations. He just let them do whatever they wanted, which I guess is what Russell Westbrook is looking for. And he might actually have that still in L.A. I don't think Vogel is really going to push him to play any differently than he already does. Uh, He might have someone there checking him in LeBron James, but... Um, I think LeBron's going to let him do him as well. So I think um, 
we, we got a coach in here in Wes Unsell Jr. that I think was going to push him in a way that he didn't want to be pushed. So if, if that's the case, then, you know, good riddance. And, and we want, I want someone in here who's actually going to hold people accountable like Wes Unsell Jr. apparently appears to, to probably be doing. Um, I, I think Bradley Beal is a guy that can play in that kind of system. We saw just a year ago they were, I believe, third in passes per game. Uh, you you bring in Russell Westbrook and you're all of a sudden in the bottom, you know, last five, I believe we might've actually been last in passes per game um, this season. If I'm, if I do remember correctly. So um, it it didn't work on the court. Um, He's a great guy by all means. I have no problems with Russell Westbrook. It I'll, I'll admit it's nice that his fan base, uh, you know, maybe a little quieter on the timeline about wizards related issues. (laughs) So that'll be pretty nice, but um, I think this was a win-win situation for everybody. Yeah, I definitely do too. And and again, I don't hate Russ. I know I sounded kind of animated there in that last little rant, but just basketball on-court stuff, I couldn't take any more of it. So I'm just glad that he's gone. And for the record, I think this is a terrible deal for the Lakers. I don't think they're going to be very good this year. I mean, what do you think? I don't see how it works. It's going to depend on what kind of role players they can bring in with I don't, I don't even know what kind of money they have left, really, but uh, they got rid of their first-round pick in that deal, which would have, you know, they would have been able to bring in a shooter with that, that pick, probably, but they had to get rid of that in the deal. So you're looking at LeBron James. He's a, he's, you know, he's a better three-point shooter. He's not a spot-up three-point shooter. You're not really kicking it out to him for spot-up spot up threes. Russell Westbrook, obviously, kind of kills your spacing a little bit when, you, when you're playing. You know, I think they're both two point guards on the court right um, so yeah I, I don't see it depends on who who they bring in to be their three-point shooters because in the deal there's kcp who shot over 41 percent from three this past year that was their their big three-point shooter now he's in a wizard's uniform which i don't even think we've discussed yet but um yeah that i think that's a big deal for us them losing him is, is just huge, especially if, you know, I think he would have fit perfectly with Russell Westbrook and, and LeBron James right next to him. So where are they going to get that shooting? I, I don't see how they can reasonably get it. Um, you know, m- maybe they bring in a guy like Carmelo Anthony, but even he isn't like the greatest three-point shooter. He's, he's more of a mid-range shooter. So I, I don't know where they're going to get that from. Me neither. Uh, but but like you said, let's go ahead and flip this over and let's talk about the um, the Wizards end of it. So the other players that we got in this deal, um, besides Isaiah Todd, where we got Kuzma, who we've already touched on a little bit, uh, KCP, like you just mentioned, and then also Montrez Harrell, who picked up his player option to be a part of this deal. He's going to make a little over $9 million. Um, after Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans, those are the, the next three most expensive players on the roster, which doesn't bother me because at the end of the day, we shed some salary and I think they're still going to try and remain under the tax this year, which, you know, um, you, you can debate people over whether they, they should try and go over it or go under it. But um, it, all around, it just made a lot of sense. But, but player-wise... Uh, KCP is probably going to be the starting three, at least I would imagine as of right now, if he goes to the bench and is Bradley Beal's backup or is the backup three. Fine with me. Uh, he is making a pretty penny, though. You know, he is making over $13 million. 
he is the the third most expensive player on the roster as of right now. So you would imagine they'll probably try and, and, and start him, especially since for most of his career, he's been a starter. But what do you think about KCP? I'm a fan of KCP. Uh, I don't know if I like him at the three as much as I do at the two, because I, he is a great defender. He's, he's really good at defending twos, at least. Um, I don't know if he's as great at defending bigger, taller threes. Um, you know, he might have to be tasked with that, but that's a guy that can defend his ass off, really. And shooting at 41% from three this past year, um, you know, he, he's consistently in that 40% range from three. This is a guy that's a three and D that we've been looking for for, for years now. This is, I know our fan base has been begging for Tommy Shepard to bring in a guy like this. So um, he would have been a great fit next to Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. But, um, you know, now that Russ is gone, I think he's a, a really good compliment to Bradley Beal for sure. And hopefully we can bring in another point guard that can, can get him the ball and get him some good looks too. But um, yeah, he's, he's good friends with Bradley Beal. So that, that's another uh, asset to, to that deal. That's another positive about Kentavious Caldwell Pope, but really um, his shooting ability is what I'm looking at most as, as a good thing for the Wizards. I do think at the end of the day, he is going to be the starting three. Again, I think I know better guarding twos just because of size wise, but I, I do think that they are going to try and squeeze him in there as the starting three. Um, but the next player on this list here is Kyle Kuzma. Uh, I know, like you said, Kuzma was averaging like over 18 a game. And, um, I think he is a little bit of an underrated player. I think he was a little bit of a casualty of of the system and everything that's been going on in LA. I know a lot of Lakers fans didn't even really want to compete to begin with, didn't even want LeBron to come there to begin with. Um, just bringing in Anthony Davis and then, between that and signing a bunch of fillers to just play and see what you can get out of them, it just feels like Kuzma was just never going to be a fit there for what they had going on in this win-now mode where he was never really going to get the opportunity to get the ball. And I think he has a real opportunity to do that in D.C. as the sixth man, provided that he's on the roster day one, which we still don't know exactly how that's going to pan out. Uh, I could also see him starting as the three if they want to bring KCP off the bench. You know, that's not that wouldn't be unreasonable. But for now, I think I would kind of peg, have him pegged as that six man sort of guy. Just, the only thing right now with the Wizards is like they have like five wings between the three and the four that like absolutely need to get playing time, which just sucks. Uh, so one of them's going to be the odd man out. And if we're talking about the three right now, I'm. If you're considering KCP a three, uh, you have KCP, you have Denny, you have Rui, you have Bertans, you have Kuzma. All five of those guys need playing time. There's going to be no way in hell you're going to be able to give all five of those guys playing time unless you're running Denny as the backup point. It's just not happening. So someone's going to be the odd man out. But, I mean, overall, what do you think about Kuzma? I like Kuzma. I I do. Um, Not not. I don't like him enough to say he needs to be a lock on this team. I would 100% deal him if mm-hmm. something else comes. I think the only two locks out of that bunch there to to stay here, I think KCP is a lock to stay on the roster, just given his relationship with Bradley Beal, given that I believe he only has one year left on his deal, so he's an expiring contract. That's, um, you know, he's making over 13 mil, but 
at the same time. I don't think that's a crazy, ridiculous contract on just one year. Um, and I think Rui's is the other lock there. So, and Denny's probably also a lock, but I, I just wouldn't say a hundred percent with a hundred percent certainty that he's a lock, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would say he's, he's as close to a lock as you get, but if, if there's a star out there that, that Bradley Beal wants to, to come on in here and, and Tommy needs to make it happen, I think Denny's probably the most attractive asset that they'd be willing to get rid of. But, um, no, I, I do like Kuzma. You know, he's got $13 million on his contract as well this year, 13 mil next year, and then a player option in the third year for 13 mil. That contract isn't ridiculous for, for the production that he had put up before LeBron and AD got there. You know, his rookie year, he immediately came in averaging 16 points per game and increased that to over 18 points per game in his second year. He's got ability to score for sure. Um, and he shot over 36% from three this year. So he's got a little bit of a shooting ability as well. He he did struggle from three in the playoffs, which is why um, he soured a little bit to that Lakers fan base. But I don't think that's what he really is. I think um, he was put, he had a lot of pressure on him playing next to LeBron and AD as that uh, third guy that he, he was really probably that third option there in LA, in my opinion, uh, coming off the bench. I think he, doesn't have as much pressure on him here to to be that guy um you know he, he, like you said we got so many wings on this roster that we can go to if it does come down to it um you know if he sticks around I'm, I'm happy to see what he can do yeah I am as well I think that he has a chance when you talk about building a team and building for the future I think he has a chance to cement himself as the guy uh, amongst the young guys, amongst the Ruiz, the Denny's, the Isaiah Todd's, you know, um, Corey Kispert. I mean, he has a chance. And we didn't even add Corey Kispert to that wings list who you know is going to get playing time right away. So it's just, they, again, it's not a log jam because I don't think it's an overly talented bunch, but all of those guys, you can say that they need to get minutes right away. Right. So it's just hard. At the end of the day, if you put a water gun to my head, I don't think Kuzma's on this roster day one. I think he's getting dealt for a point guard. That that's what I think is happening. I agree. And and what's funny about that is he's out there posting on Instagram, you know, edits with Bradley Beal, and I'm just thinking in my head, "No, dude, why why are you doing this right now, man? <laughs> like you are you got to have some awareness about your situation that you're not 100% locked to be on this roster and that you could be being dealt again." Like I know you you want to <laughs> label yourself as that second star next to Brad, but man, uh, you got to have some kind of awareness there. And I, I hope it works out for him and he can stick around. But man, that would be such a bad look if if he's gone. Hashtag capsule boys. Yeah, yeah. At least spell it right. Uh, that was so funny though. Like when I saw <laughs> it, like. Um, the washed whiz guy on Twitter, he always cracks me up like with whatever he posts. I think he's like the funniest person on Wizards Twitter. And like uh, I saw him quote it and it just made me laugh. Like he's a funny dude. But it's like, come on, man. You got to spell the hashtag right. Right. <laughs> um, last guy. We went from most expensive to least expensive. Uh, officially a, an expiring contract. A KCP does have a, a player option after this coming up season. But um, this guy does not, uh, Montrez Harrell, who I think again is going to be a, a part of, uh, a bigger move to, to bring a point guard here, or at least bring some sort of other player here. But 
I like his energy. I love his attitude. I think that that's something you need in the front court, provided Thomas Bryant is, is still on the roster. Uh, for guys like him and Daniel Gafford, I think that's extremely valuable to have. Again, the problem is what are you going to roll with a three-center rotation again this season? You know, I, I don't think that Wes Unseld is going to want to do that. But if they do, I mean, you know, that's a solid three-center rotation. You know, you can argue about who comes in when and who starts and all that. But um, still kind of, again, it's not – I wouldn't call it a log jam at center, but it's like you got three guys who – all need time on the court now, presumably. But, I mean, what do you think about Trez? I really like Trez. You know, just two years removed from sixth man of the year. The guy has energy for days. And I think that's something we all love about Thomas Bryant is that that dog mentality he brings. Well, I think Trez brings that to a, an even higher level than Thomas Bryant does. I don't think, um, you know, obviously we we need to see Daniel Gafford get his minutes. That's something that Wizards fans harped on all season uh, when he was in our uniform was that Scott Brooks just didn't give him the minutes that he required. And, you know, maybe a lot of that is because he gasses early. Um, he gasses very quickly, but at the same time, um, yeah, he, he needs to figure that out and get more minutes. And the three center rotation has to be gone. Um, Thomas Bryant is a guy who can give you a 20 and 10 night, uh, you know, every few nights, but, you know, he's coming off an ACL injury and he might be out until December. So, um, right. Right. So, so we'll see what's happening with that, but I, I just don't know who in their right mind is trading for that, you know, a, a guy who m- might be out until December. So I think that does leave Trez as that, uh, that last man out. Cause you know, we better not be trading Daniel Gafford. That's for sure. That, that guy played his mind, you know, played out of his mind, at the end of the year and in the playoffs, that's a guy that brought a you know a, a rim protection that we haven't had in you know pre Gortat. You know Gortat wasn't even a rim protector. John Wall for years was our rim protector from the point guard position. So we haven't had a center like this since you know before John Wall even. Um, so he needs to get his time. Montrez Harrell isn't the best defender, so he struggles in that area, but. The guy's a dog. He's going to get his offensive boards. Um, he's he's going to bring a toughness, you know, that that this team definitely needs. Um, but I, I just think if any of the centers are going, it's going to be him. So you know, I like that he wants to be in DC, and in in his social media posts, he's talking about what he's going to bring to DC. I do like that, but you know, just like Kuzma, I don't think you should be saying all this until you know, you're you're dead certain that you're going to be on this roster because you're, you're probably the guy that's, that's going. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I do like Trez. Trez is a solid player. Um, and again, like you said, you know, Thomas Bryant's probably going to be out until the winter uh, with that ACL. So it's like, who's going to play? What are you going to bring back? Lopez right, so, and Len, you know? Right. So, so may- maybe they do keep all of them on the roster until they figure out what's going on with Thomas Bryant. And then, Maybe they deal one of them midseason, but um, yeah, I mean that's like you said, you can't give all three of those guys the minutes that they require. Um, are you, are you going to just let Thomas Bryant wither away on the bench when he comes back? I don't, I don't think you should do that because I mean he's he's one of the centers that can actually shoot. We don't have a center on this roster that can shoot other than him because Gafford isn't that guy. Trez isn't a shooter either, so um, he brings something different to the table for sure, but. 
no, we can't have that three center rotation. And the one thing I like about Trez too is his contract is extremely mo- movable and it is expiring. So that's a guy that can bring you a first round pick at the deadline or, or at some point in the season if it's not working out and or you know you want to give Thomas Bryant and Daniel Gafford the minutes or you know whatever reason, right. Um, so we've been recording here for a while, but we can go ahead real quick and kind of do a little bit of a sort of a free agency preview. I can't believe it's already here. Um, that that's kind of the cool thing about going back onto a normal schedule this season was all the off season stuff got moved up. So it seems like everything's moving quick, but in reality, you know, I mean, it's just you know, it, it's the same thing as normal. It's just we're playing catch up, but I, I still can't believe it's. It's already here, and we're going to be hearing about players signing within the next 48 hours. I mean, that's it's pretty awesome. Qu- quite the quick turnaround than you consider the finals was, what, two, three weeks ago? Yeah, no, and, and this is one of these off-seasons where we actually are probably going to be big players in free agency or, or in the trade market. Because last year, other than that wall for Westbrook deal, there wasn't really much else that we were going to be able to do with those two supermax contracts on the books. So now we ha- now we have a little bit of flexibility to work with. Right. Um, I mean, what are some guys you're looking at? I think obviously the biggest need on the team right now is is point guard. But if they wanted to go out there and solidify themselves and get a star player at the three position, so to put next to Beal there on the wing, I mean, you know, they could absolutely go that route too with DeRozan in particular, but. Uh, who are the guys you're looking at right now, just given the trade assets we have and the type of money we're dealing with? No, I, I mean, I think my preferred option, if if I could get anybody here in free agency, would be Lonzo Ball. But I, I just... I agree. It, it appears that he's probably going to Chicago um, in a sign-and-trade deal, possibly. I would love if, if we could somehow get get in the middle of that and, and grab him, bring him to DC. Cause I think he's really the perfect fit next to Bradley Beal. That's a guy who really improved as a three point shooter this past year on, I believe like eight attempts per game. He was really lighting it up this year over. I don't even have the, the number in front of me, but um, he was an incredible shooter this year and he's always had the defensive ability. The guy locks up people. And, you know, next to Bradley Beal, who's not really the best defender, we all know that. He's probably one of the worst defenders in the league. You've got to have a guy like Lonzo Ball, um, so- someone like him at your point guard position, in my opinion. Someone who can actually lock up the opposing team's best guard while uh, you kind of hide Bradley Beal on the defensive end a little bit. Um, and, and he's a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands to succeed. You can kick it out to him, and he's going to knock down that shot. So that's who my, my top pick would be but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, we're seeing a lot of rumors of Spencer Dinwiddie possibly being the guy to come to D.C. Uh, for, for what he's looking for, uh, over 20 mil per year, I'm not interested in that. Um, you know, Trading Russell Westbrook away just to bring in a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie for, for over $20 million a year, I don't think that's what I would want to happen. Uh, he's a great player, don't get me wrong. Uh, but he's coming off yet another injury as well. That's that's the concern we're having with Thomas Bryant is the ACL injury. Well, he's coming off one too. So can can we be sure that he will ever even be that player that, that he showed um, pre-injury? I don't know. So I, I'm not banking my entire future on Spencer Dinwiddie. And so, you know, where does that leave us then? I think uh, 
I'm seeing rumors of DeRozan possibly going to the Lakers on, you know, not he not caring about the money and just that would be hilarious. That would that would be awful. I don't see how that would work either. You know, considering they got Russell Westbrook, LeBron James. I don't know where the shooting would come from if he goes there, but um, yeah, that they're they're building super teams over there. So I don't know if he's even a a serious possibility here. Um, we're seeing reports from Quentin Mayo has, has said that he has interest in coming here. That was a little while ago. Um, I don't I don't know how serious that is, um, but but he's definitely an option. I think he gets us closer to where we want to be than we are today. But at the same time, what what do you got to give up for him? You know, um, I love Dejounte Murray at the point guard position. He seems like he might not be happy in San Antonio, so maybe that's a possibility. I, I I'd love to have him as well, but man, I just don't know what we're really going to do with this money that we we all of a sudden have. But you know, we our biggest need is clearly point guard, um, so we got to do something there. I think that the two most likely players that we would get in terms of free agency would be Dinwiddie and DeRozan, as unpopular as those names may be in terms of fit. But I'm not entirely sold that Dinwiddie would be an over $20 million player. But, I mean, Dinwiddie is an extremely, extremely talented and, and skilled point guard, combo guard. I mean, he, he really, really is. I mean, if they want to pay him something in the high teens – uh, you're not going to hear me complain about that because I've been watching Dinwiddie for years. I know what he can bring to the table. And he's he's an extremely good and, and smart basketball player. In terms of DeRozan, I mean, here's the thing with, with like championships and stuff. Like winning championships is cool, but, but let me ask you personally, Chase. If you're an NBA player, are you going to sign somewhere and make under two million dollars and go on a championship, or are you going to go on another team and make eighteen, nineteen, twenty mil? Oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm making that right. twenty mil. I know, right. but but I'm not Demar Derozan. Maybe he's a better man than me, <laughs> and maybe he's accrued enough millions in his life to where he, he views L.A. I think they have a maybe five million dollars in mid-level exception or something they can give him. Maybe he says, "I'll go there for a year and and." try to win a chip back home. He's from LA as well. So maybe I wouldn't do that personally. I'd I'd be taking my 20 plus million dollars and I don't care where I'm living (laughs) with 25 plus million dollars in my pocket. But yeah, I mean, I think the wizards would be a great option for him next to Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal definitely would love to have him as his second option. Um, I don't know how the fit would be, here in D.C. with DeMar DeRozan, the, the shooting ability of both he and Bradley Beal um, leaves some questions. But I think when you add a guy like Corey Kispert and KCP, you, you don't have to worry about that as much. Um, I know DeMar DeRozan is a great ball handler in his own right, and he, he's a good facilitator as well. So, you know, it's definitely a possibility uh, that, that it might work better than we're expecting. So... He's um, such a good player. He's such a great player. There's no doubt about. There's no doubt that he's a great player. It's it's more so fit in my eyes. Will it work? Um, I mean, it's got to work better than Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal did, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. it, it, I think I think it works better than that. So, yeah, I th- I think we'd be closer today with or 
tomorrow with DeMar DeRozan than we were yesterday with Russell Westbrook. That's, that's what I'll say. Yeah, I definitely agree. I know you mentioned DeJounte Murray as well. I, I would almost prefer him over Lonzo Ball, and DeJounte Murray has become quite the mid-range shooter, but, man, I don't know. That's tough deciding between those two. It's pretty much you want better defense or better three-point shooting. Because, yeah. but man, I love DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray is one of my favorite point guards in the league. He truly is. It's funny because he kind of reminds me in a way of John Wall. He's, he's not nearly yeah, sure. as quick or, or you know, dominant as John was in his prime here in D.C., but he's an athletic point guard that can get to the rim really quick and really aggressively. That, it, uh, I don't know if we want to fill in the point guard position with the same old, same old that we've had going from John Wall to Russell Westbrook. I don't know if we want to fill in that same exact kind of mold that we've had. It might be time for a change, get some shooting in, in the point guard position, but DeJounte Murray is definitely a guy I'd be looking to try to acquire if he isn't happy there in San Antonio or or if you know he just wants to change the scenery. He's, he's a great option for sure. I think if you're looking at someone who can get you in your offense, get you in your sets, just keep a, a steady state of mind in there. You know, I think that the best two options for that are Lonzo Ball and Dinwiddie. I think that Dinwiddie has a tremendous feel for the game. Again, I've talked about um, how good I think he is. Again, he's probably not worth $20 million. I mean, if, if they did give it to him, well, I mean, you know, welcome to free agency. If you want to upgrade the position, you know, Dinwiddie and his agent, no, you have no starter right now. Uh you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, everybody is a $20 million player nowadays. You know, it just happens to be the time that we're up to give someone that money. You know, that is what it is. But again, if you're trying to go the Chris Paul route, not comparing talent, but you know, you know what I mean, just in terms of like being the system guy, being the guy that sets you up, sets other guys up. I think that Lonzo and Dinwiddie are those two guys. Yeah, and, and I'll circle back to Dinwiddie. I would definitely not mind him at a lower price than $20 million a year. I've, I probably sounded like I really don't like Dinwiddie at all. That's not the case. I do really like Dinwiddie. I just don't like what he's asking for. Um, it, it seems like he does want upwards of $20 million per year, and at that price, I'm, I'm out on him. But say you, you somehow get Davis Bertans off the books this, this offseason, and you have about $17 million to work with, I would be more than happy filling that with a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie at, at that price, about 17 mil per year. I think he and Bradley Beal, I, I do think that would be a really dynamic backcourt for sure. Cause he's a guy that um, he didn't shoot the ball very well this year, but I think he's better than, than he showed shooting the ball this year. I think um, like he can attack the rim as well. So that, that I think that would be a intriguing backcourt and with the money you save, uh, in that rust deal, you can actually get some pieces around that backcourt. So, um, yeah, I mean, he'd be an intriguing option, but like I said, at 20 mil per year, uh, I'm out. Yeah, that's fair. And again, there's a couple more salary things that, that they could do. And I'm not exactly sure what the rules and parameters are like at this point in the off season, since we're so close to free agency. But from my understanding, if you have the salary cap, you can take in pretty much any player you want, no matter the price. Is, is that correct? Oh, man, I wish, <laughs> I wish I knew more about this, Alec. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Right. Well, if that's the case, 
there's a couple more moves they could make. They could sign both Dinwiddie and DeRozan, potentially. You know, I wouldn't completely rule that out. And now that would be a hell of a starting five. I don't know how that, because it seems like you might need a sign and trade for both of these guys. So I don't know you if would, we'll have, yeah. I don't know if we'll have the the assets to make that work unless you, you trade Kuzma to, to the Spurs. They're okay with just Kuzma and you trade Trez to the, to the Nets and they're okay with just Trez. Um, I don't know. I don't know how we could make that work, but um, maybe they're willing to, to let Denny go in, in a deal. Which I don't know if I'd even like that, you know, bring in like a Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, getting rid of Denny. So, um, you know, it, it would definitely be an intriguing three for sure. And again, I mean, I think that's competitive in the East at the very least, those three. Um, but, you know, with a, with a super team like the Nets in the East, you got the Bucks still around. I, I don't know how close those three get you. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I think the first thing you need in that scenario is you need commitment from the players and and their agents to sort of work stuff out with with the teams that they're currently with. Because at the, I mean, for the Brooklyn Nets, for example, I mean, it's pretty much like this. Okay, do you want to take, for example, Kyle Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell, or do you not want to take those guys in, and do you just want to roll what, with what you have and pay the the taxpayer? MLE to some guy who's probably not going to be as good as either of those guys in a bunch of veteran minimum contracts. It's like, you know, well, you choose what you want to do. Right. Uh, damned if I do, damned if I don't. That's right. pretty much the kind of situation we're in. And with Bradley Beal as your top guy, that's just kind of where you're going to be for, uh, you know, forever. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, yeah, I think, man, if there was a way to swing both Dinwiddie and DeRozan, and there is a way. But, I mean, that would be – because you have the floor spacing with Dinwiddie, Beal, um, Rui, you would hope, can be kind of like a fringe 37, may I'll say 37 realistically, like a 37% three-point shooter. Uh, I don't think that that's all terrible. I really don't. I think that – and that's a quite competitive team with a lot of ball movement. You know, Bradley Beal still may be the black hole he is – offensively at times but at least you know nine times out of ten i mean the ball's going in the hoop no that's a that's a you're gonna score a lot of points with that that team uh and i think demar Derozan's a better defender than than i at least people think um i haven't seen his defensive numbers lately but um you can't Matt be moderno would tell you different because i think he yeah. was saying the other day that like there's some metric that makes him like the worst wing defender in the nba or something like that ah well, then completely disregard everything I just said, and we'd be screwed. <laughs> uh, I don't know, though. I think it, it all depends about system. It depends on other people you got around. This is why I like the eye test, because I hate numbers, because context is important. And you don't see that context if you don't watch the games. Right. No, I mean, like, like I said, those three get you closer to your ultimate goal than, than where we're at today. So if they can somehow make that happen... I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, even if they can only get, like, a DeRozan, for example, and then you have to get a George Hill-type point guard, you know, that's fine with me. You know, that's totally fine. I think that's still more competitive than we were this past season. So, But I'm definitely looking forward to free agency. We're definitely going to be bigger players than in past seasons, and me and Dama will try to get back with you soon. 
Um, I know I've been telling you guys now for a few episodes, we've been meaning to get Chase Hughes on, and I'm sorry we haven't, but having him on, I had a couple people ask me when he was going to come on when we were going to record that. Um, he's just been really, really busy. So he just hasn't had the time. Uh, he was on vacation, and then he came back, and it was draft time. So, um, And then the Westbrook trade and all that. So he just really hasn't had a whole lot of time. But we are going to get together soon, probably within the next couple weeks, I would imagine. And um, we'll, we'll try to get that guy as soon as you can. I know you guys really enjoyed the, the last time he came on and talked with us midseason. But uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Uh, leave a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Leave any comments or questions that you have. Again, you guys are always good with this, but DM me if you have any concerns, questions, comments about the podcast, maybe some things you'd like to see us talk about a little bit more. And uh, Chase, man, I want to thank you for coming on and chatting up with me tonight. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. I'm more than happy to be the Chase Hughes replacement. I'm, I'm more than okay being the Chase villain. Alrighty, man. Uh, once again, thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.